Welcome back to Rec Talk, everyone. It's uh, Nitin from Rec Tools, uh, who we are the UK's largest whole of market supplier directory in the recruitment industry. I'm really pleased my guest today is the former CEO and founder of Hiring Hub, Simon Swan. Thanks for inviting me. <laughs> yeah. Good to be here. <laughs> Thanks for being here, mate. No, so, um, yeah, I've been looking forward to this one because I think there's a lot to kind of unpack and uncover and, and, and sort of go through. But um, start by telling me a little bit about kind of where the concept of Hiring Hub came from because it really is a disruptor product or certainly was a disruptor product when you first took it to market, wasn't it? Yes, yeah, definitely. I think, well, we didn't want to be disruptive. We wanted to kind of enhance the market rather than completely disrupt it. But um, I guess the idea was, well, I, there was two of us, me and my co-founder, Sarah. Sarah was a recruitment consultant and I came from outside the industry. And Sarah was kind of, um, I think, yeah, she, well, she'd been doing recruitment for six, seven years and was just like, tired and fatigued, wanted something new and um, felt there was probably a better way. Mm -hmm. And um, was also, this is around, well, around the time, this was after Money Supermarket had come in and um, improved yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. car insurance or, or home insurance, etc. And after Booking.com and Skyscanner and all those, so the way that you were booking flights and finding hotels or restaurants or insurance had completely changed by marketplaces. So it was Sarah that originally wondered uh, if you could bring lots of recruitment agencies together on one single platform and organize them in a way, um, kind of using data and reviews to help employers find them and mm -hmm. then work mm -hmm. with them. You know, could, could that work was the question. Because um, that, that concept's been tried since a few times in terms of like a directory of recruitment agencies that are rated or whatever. And it yeah. It just never seems to, to kind it, of it's work. It's bloody hard. Yeah. I think that's one reason. It's subjective. It's yeah, and it's hard because, well, there's some objective measures you can put in, in terms of tracking performance data and, and obviously collecting reviews. And mm. that was key for us because we wanted to celebrate really good recruitment agencies um, and build a meritocracy. And it'd be mm. about reputation and trust. So that the best ones could flourish because my I came at this from an angle of using larger recruitment agencies in the past in a previous life mm -hmm. and being really quite frustrated at how rigid, slow, um, and expensive they were. Mm -hmm. And then my experience using a, a smaller kind of boutique recruiter was completely different, yeah, um, and really impressive. And so we both came at it from an angle of like, can we get boutique, SME, independently owned, typically recruitment agents onto this platform? The challenge is getting, is liquidity. So getting enough, or getting a job in the first instance, getting a job yeah. and then finding a recruiter to work it and then vice versa, having recruiters so that when the jobs come, we can say confidently to employers, yes, we have recruitment agencies that can fulfil that. So the first couple of years of Hiring Hub, it was tiny. Mm -hmm. It was really just the two of us desperately trying to win employers by telling them we've got all these great recruiters over here that can Yeah, it's such a bizarre concept at that point, I suppose, because you're kind of like, if I'm, if I'm BDing and I'm picking up work, why don't I just fill this myself? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, but for me that wasn't... Yeah, but you're not a recruiter. Because I'm not like, a recruiter, like, yeah. So yeah, so, yeah and, and I bet there was probably an element of that in your co-founder's mind of like, okay, fuck, I've cracked the... Um, I've cracked the BD thing now, so because that seems to be the most, the biggest frustration for a lot of smaller recruitment consultants and um, 
sort of junior recruitment consultants and smaller boutiques is the, the volume of BD they used to have to do yeah. to pick up the work. That's it. And I think, and, and that was one of the, from the flip side, yeah, we wanted to make it really easy for employers to find and work with great recruiters. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to make it far easier for recruiters to meet motivated employers with qualified roles yeah. and, and outsource that BD to us and while being a cheaper alternative to hiring a BD person or a 360 consultant. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, we never anticipated it would fully replace or, and we don't want it to replace um, you know, recruiters direct work. We want it to be a complementary channel whereby it's an additional uh, bit of revenue every year. Um, but yeah, those early days were really, hard, really, really hard just to persuading employers to post jobs and then reacting to what jobs came on and finding recruiters that could actually work and fill them mm. um, and promising both parties or trying to keep them happy to, to grow the thing. So it did take a couple of years. We bootstrapped it for nearly three years with no... I think looking back, if I did it again, I'd go out and I'd try and raise a huge round of investment from day one um, to build, to go harder on the marketing straight away. Yeah, I think to try and bootstrap a marketplace, it was just naive, but you know we didn't know what what we were doing at the time. But the learns you get from that though, kind of position you better for when you do, it's almost like that's the trial run. Because I know what you're saying, we have this with, with Rectals in the, we bootstrapped it uh, and paid for it essentially by uh, my recruitment company. Yeah. And we made a lot of mistakes and a lot of kind of rabbit holes that we went down and went, no, 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 this isn't the right way. We need to go back and kind of redo it and whatnot. And actually, the lack of brand awareness and the lack of kind of product awareness at the time probably played in our favour because yeah. we were able to do those stupid things and make those silly mistakes and then go back and kind of reposition the product. And now we're at a point where actually we're going out and we're going to, we're, you know, we're looking to, to, to raise and kind of go down that route because I'm finally at a point where I'm like, no, this is now ready. Yeah. Like, you know, we've, we've done all the <laughs> tripping up and like, you know, now it's time for the... the you know what the, to do. Yeah, that's the key Apparently. thing. I thought, yeah, so I'm going to retract that previous statement because <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you're absolutely right. So if I was to do it again now with the experience that I've had, yeah. I'd raise a load of money because I'd kind of know how to best deploy that capital, you know, who to hire. And it'd be a lot easier it. for you to raise now though because you've got a track record of showing that you've taken a, you know, an MVP to proof of concept yeah. to then grown it, got investment and continue to sort of grow and scale it. So yeah. an investor's going to feel a lot more comfortable than... Exactly, you know, where investing in time... Two the year, kind exactly. of like, hey, I've got a green for a project that like hasn't been trialled before and, and I really think it's going to work. And you're like, oh, yeah. yeah, confident it will go. Yeah. That's the thing, I think, if you'd have given us, I don't know, this time next year, four or five they? million quid in, at the very beginning when we had the idea to build that first platform, generate those first few users, we'd have probably misspent a lot of yeah. that money, um, not have got good value for it, and been be not any further on, whereas actually you're completely right, the learnings um, early days are important. And actually that's, you know, there's a good lesson in that, I think, for people that are considering starting something, particularly a technology business, and mm-hmm. is that you, um, if you can keep it lean yeah. and inexpensive as you get off the ground to make those mistakes, to figure out how to acquire a customer and where you get, how you go to market, get something working. Development and then, cost as well. It's such a yeah. massive amount. It, which is ironic because actually in, in the kind of world that we're heading into now, oh, they are. It's, yeah. it's, it's different, isn't it? Well, there's because always no can, code tools that, now. This you is it, right? You, you two... can almost build a proof of concept product or an MVP that can service a solution and trial it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was, I was speaking to um, a group of developers the other day and, and 
these guys had, had coined this kind of MVP validator concept where they were like, you know, because of the no-code, low-code tools that are out there, we are now working with founders and going, okay, we'll validate this MVP. So let's build a very, very functional but small version of what you want to build. Yeah. Let's take it to market. Let's see if there's an interest for it, which will then drive that interest and give hmm. you real-time data. You can then sit in front of an investor and say, no, 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 this isn't a, a market, an yeah. emotional feeling I have that this is a gap in the market. This is a gap in the market. Now give me the money to go and actually develop the product. Yeah, so yeah, that's, that's incredible. And that we, I'm sorry, we just didn't have that option at the no, time. Didn't exist I suppose, I mean, if you look at Hona, but all it, or what it is, is an online version of an old school brokerage, yeah. like a, an insurance broker, yeah. where you take an order there and you, you fulfill, it. fulfill it by a supply chain. Yeah. Um, so perhaps we could have tested some kind of MVP without a, a tech platform. But really, I remember back in the day, you know, Sarah's dad lent her some money. I saw I had an Audi A3 or something at the time that I sold <laughs> and chucked some more savings in just to build. And that original platform, the very, like, and it was a proper MVP. It was, yeah, yeah. we did it, a fixed price deal with a development house in Manchester that agreed to build something for us. And it was about 16, 17 grand. Whereas now, yeah, you, yeah. you get these no code tools, um, yeah, which... particularly with marketplaces, and you can spin it up and get your foot in there and yeah figure out those go-to-market uh, ideas to see what works and what doesn't mm. before you raise which actually if you're going to raise investment um is a hell of a, a lot um more appealing for those investors to hear that you've validated your, yeah. your idea i mean i was watching dragon's den last night and yeah the people that do win investment are the ones that have um got some history track record of sales effectively. yeah yeah can as a concept here yeah. yeah that's it yeah so, so you, you guys have got your finger on the pulse then in terms of the market. Um, generally speaking, the, the trend is, or, or, or the, the, the kind of the conversation that I, certainly I'm having with the people that I deal with on the rectal side is that 2023 was a very tough year for recruitment agencies. Um, and there are exceptions to that, you know, and that's not to take away from those, those people. Um, but by and large, a lot of people seem to have struggled. Yeah. Um, did you guys see that trend on, on, on your platform? And what do you think was driving that? Because 2022 was like off oh, the race, well, that's the, That was part of the problem, I think. 2022 was, was a bubble. When yeah. you look back retrospectively now, with hindsight, it was coming out of COVID. Employers that had sat on their hands and just waited mm. to understand what the new world looked like uh, post-COVID um, began to hire with you know velocity they really did yeah. certain sectors like you know digital IT in tech it, um, and the salaries that were increasing at such a rate too so I think a lot of companies a lot of recruiters staffed up and grew their businesses alongside that growth and then um, yeah if you, I think if you take 22, 22 out of the stats and you look at vacancy yeah um, vacancies across the UK and all the bar charts you were kind of back at 2019 2018 levels, if not slightly ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the makeup of those roles has changed as well. There's far fewer tech roles. Um, you've got sectors like hospitality, care, etc., where there's loads of vacancies. Um, but that's not great if you're an engineering recruiter or a, no. or finance or no. a tech recruiter. So those sectors have, have suffered particularly hard. And, and actually, if you look at Michael Page and Hayes, who published their results because they're PLCs now, they're broadly 20, 25% down on fee earnings last year mm-hmm. and have cut costs to, to kind of mitigate that. 
And I think that's pretty much where the where the market is. I mean, we saw we certainly just mir- mirrored the kind of macro jobs market on Hiring Hub and saw fewer IT and tech, which hurt the IT and tech recruiters on the on the platform. We were doing all we could to try and wrestle IT roles from from employers. But of course, when there's fewer roles and more candidate availability, they can fill some of those roles direct. Uh, what so do you think that tough. was that was that over hiring? Or is that displacement due to AI or a combination of both? No, I don't think AI's really had its impact yet no, on jobs. No, I, I think it was a mixture of overhiring and therefore that, that market cooling, but equally just from an economic perspective, yeah, the world's changed significantly yeah. over the last twelve to eighteen months, whereby interest rates were at well, what what were they? Not point two five percent, I think mm-hmm. and now they're at five or five and a half. And so the cost of capital has got so much more expensive and a lot of companies, and it was just bred by uncertainty. You know, employers mm. don't quite know where the world is going to be. But then why get rid time. of just the tech departments, by and large? I don't know. If, well, there has been layoffs. Yeah. I think the, the lay, a lot of the layoffs have come in um, companies whereby they've, they're public, they're big, and they have to please shareholders mm-hmm. and deliver dividends. And therefore, they have to keep their costs aligned with profits, etc. So there has been layoffs, but actually, a lot of the SME market, I think, has just stopped frozen hiring hub, um, hiring hub, hiring, yeah. <laughs> and kept things where they are. Yeah, just to pause yeah. and and reset and go, okay, what, where, take stock. Yeah, yeah. take stock. And where before in twenty twenty two, they were probably really bullish about the next 12 months, then now there's just that uncertainty. Uh, yeah, I think and we're going into it, general election it, year and all this these is things. It. It's, a, it's a perfect storm, isn't it, really? With like, There's this kind of like kind of minor issues that then when collectively looked at is like, hang on, this could be a big problem and mm. you know, we don't want to play the wrong hand here. You know? And I think there's... Um, I, I mean, I certainly I've noticed it with the, the vendors that I'm speaking to on Rectals. The, the focus seems to have shifted, especially within that kind of VC and private equity space, from product focus to now revenue. Yeah. And it's kind of like, no, stop developing the product now and fine tuning it and putting out release after release. Sell the bastard show, thing. Show like, do you know what I mean? Show, yeah, yeah. yeah get, get this in front of users. Yeah. Push that, uh, that element of it. We don't care about kind of product tweaking and stuff anymore, which then that kind of trickles down because then you're kind of like, oh, well, I no longer now need my team of. 15 developers because actually it's the case of keeping the, the product working BAU whilst the sales guys then push it out and get it out and the marketing ones. team push it out and get it out um, and I think you're right there's that there's the element of um, whilst the AI advancements haven't happened yet in terms of to get rid of people I certainly think there's an element of and I've witnessed this on the recruitment side of departments looking at it and kind of being like, you know, I've got four people that do this job, but now I've got access to automation and AI tools that actually mean that I can do the same job and same output with two people. Yeah. You know, and that's a difficult conversation to have when you're, when you are, you know, a a PLC, you've got shareholders to appease and the money's not quite coming in. You can't sit there and be like, yeah, but I really like Greg, you know. Exactly. Sorry, Greg, you've got to go. And 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 I'm not sure, far from like maybe the Silicon Valley, big tech firms I'm not really sure we've seen that develop yet no because I don't and this is me being you know subjective I don't know necessarily whether the companies have actually realized or or have deployed AI yet enough to know the gains mm. and the productivity they might achieve in over the next five years but it's certainly going to be an interesting 
ride. Yeah. Um, and it's either going to be see a massive uptick in productivity and things just get built faster by fewer people mm-hmm. um, so you can maintain the same headcount um, but do more. Mm-hmm. Um, but then if the market and the economy can't keep up with that, then, um, yeah, there, there could be another secondary wave. But I kind of think it's more the former. I think by the time really? the heads of people are in the boardrooms, <laughs> yeah. I hope so, yeah. I think by the time the boardroom realise that it's, you know, it's time to cut people because we can do the same amount of work with 50% fewer people, then uh, the techies will have hopefully, hopefully built and improved the product so much uh, mm. using all the co-pilot tools and everything else now that... Um, yeah, the the business would be growing. It'd be fueling sales growth. Yeah, um, which in turn would then cover justify yeah, that. Which in turn helps the bigger yeah economic. Challenges. I think what's been very evident, certainly kind of post pandemic, is just how fragile our economy is. <laughs> um, right, but in terms of how yeah. much it relies on consumeristic spend. Yeah, you joke, and and sort of there's a lot around kind of this push to go back to the office now and that kind of thing, and and you know simplistically people will be like oh well it's down to productivity whereas the figures don't show that productivity has dipped off what what the figures do show however is that the economy is struggling because people aren't spending there yeah there's no coffees being bought there's no lunches being bought there's no you know time being spent in the pubs and that kind of thing and that all trickles down and and i think on the on a a bigger scale it just sort of shows how as i said fragile the economy actually is yeah and so by even entertaining the concept of displacement of jobs due to AI I think there'd be like ramifications in the long run right because you're kind of like who's going to buy you can, you can have the best products in the world but if people ain't got jobs and they ain't got the money yeah. to buy your product they ain't going to buy your products right no. and if or, customers that if you're in that B2B space and those customers for your B2B customer are struggling because they you know they're not seeing the sales on their end well your product's useless to them absolutely yeah although I feel like there's some green shoots I'm going to be optimistic again you know, even the, in, the, in the press this morning, one of our clients actually on the beach in, in Manchester, mm. uh, and, I, and, and holiday bookings are always a, a good indication yeah. of consumer confidence. Yeah. You know, if you're booking a holiday now to go away in August, mm-hmm. then you're confident that you're going to keep your job and keep up your mortgage payments and that through that period. And they're saying um, they're, they're going to have, they're going to beat their... Um, earnings predictions this year and mm. they've had a great start to January which again is indicative of hopefully some optimism positivity in the consumer spending in the economy so or is that just spend that is currently happening within the economy shifting and and the reason I say that is because so I've got a, a property that I rent out as a holiday let up in the Lake District yeah we had the best year post pandemic 2021 2022 yeah, bookings galore 2023 things started to dip off kind of midway through the year and this year, whereas our summer would by now be booked out and people would be booked out for kind of the Easter break and that kind of thing, it's not. And it's not just our property, it's quite a few. And it's almost like, okay, those who were doing the staycations, are they, you know, are they now going abroad? And when you, when you couple that in with um, on the beach, as an example, going, yeah. we're having the best year ever, it's almost like that's just a reallocation of spend, isn't it? It is, but I wonder, is that... Is that um... I'm shitting pre- all over your optimism. Yeah, here, well, I, mean, I think that because the recruitment agencies uh, reporting. I don't. I feel like they're the not the canary in the in the coal mine, but that's kind of that lags what yeah. the markets and what the you know when Hayes and Michael Page are laying off twenty percent of the workforce and saying that um, that you know, fees are down twenty five percent, 
that's almost a lag, lagging indicator. Whereas what consumers are doing now in oh, yeah. and their confidence, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, agree. Yeah. most people are relatively confident that interest rates have peaked and they're likely to come down over the course of this year. That seems year. to be the rhetoric, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, yeah. which hopefully eases the financial conditions, which means employers can be a bit more confident mm-hmm. and start to plan. Which, yeah, all trickles down to the this industry that we're in. Yeah. Right? There's been a big drive um, within the recruitment industry, um, UK-based, for a desire to want to place fees abroad. Yeah. So people wanted to break into that US market, people wanted to break into that European market. Now, I know that when you... Um, kind of passed the baton on for the from the CEO role at the same sort of time you guys were in conversations with I think it was Nordic kind of businesses and that kind of thing um talk me through sort of the decision to, to kind of diversify uh, or, or go global with with hiring hub and is that an indicator as kind of you know is that the direction that recruiters should be going I don't know necessarily for all recruiters but certainly opportunities um, I mean, we're doing it off the back of customer interest. You know, mm. we have a couple of clients that are already operating in, um, certainly in Germany, Nordics, and uh, other places in mainland Europe. So, by their request, we've gone into those markets, uh, and we're actually seeing really good traction there. And they are the Nordics less so, but certainly Germany is. You know, it's a huge market, and the mm. fees are incredibly um, good. Yeah. <laughs> so I can understand why it's really attractive to uh recruiters. Now have they got a preference to use local agencies or are they no. open to using they I mean they have a um obviously their preferred suppliers in, in the region but they they are very open minded about working with um UK based recruiters and in fact before we had the conversation with with one particular client about the Nordics they were already using UK culturally there's some differences they think UK mm. recruiters are a bit pushier than their friends in, in Sweden and Norway, etc. But um, and, and there's actually some um, fundamental differences with how they, you know, typically, certainly in the Nordics, there's a lot of retained, you know, it's probably 50-50 in terms of contingent fees and retained wow, okay. fees. Exclusivity's yeah. big. So normally, often they'll give a recruiter exclusivity and three retained payments through to placement um, versus the normal kind of UK contingent fee on success model. Mm-hmm. Um and then Germany's probably mainly for us, I think, a, a success-based model, but a bit more retained, certainly more than we see in, here in the UK. Um, and that actually meant some changes to the platform for us uh, in terms of how, how employers post jobs. But no, I think, yeah, there's certainly opportunities. And for us, it, so for us, it was off the back of a key client and... You know, with the technology so it was almost platform. organic then, it, was, it wasn't yeah. part of the road, this isn't an intentional kind of expansion plan, it's almost like no, it was reacting to the, yeah. the request of the consumer sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, but, and then doing that, looking at it far deeper and figuring out, well actually how might we um, expand a bit more assertively to acquire more clients mm. in those regions, particularly as we're building the supply chain off the back of a few clients that, that well, are using it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it's I mean, a lot easier to have that conversation, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's the same. I think I think the UK recruitment uh, market is looked at quite favourably internationally. Okay. Um, in North America, it's a different, a different beast, a different thing, but certainly around Europe and, uh, and elsewhere, people... You know, UK reputation uh, recruiters have a reputation for getting the, the job done. I think you know we've mm. got roles on the platform right now in places like even Kurdistan, their their tourist board. Uh, we just filled a marketing <laughs> head of marketing position in, in Kurdistan. So, um, 
I wouldn't say Hiring Hub is an international platform, but certainly opportunities for recruiters um, on there to work international roles, particularly where uh, international businesses are looking for UK people to emigrate outside. Yeah, Uh, okay, yeah. You know, we've got dentists, I think think we've got dentist roles in in Australia and obviously the the Kurdistan roles in Germany. Yeah, they, they came out very quickly, didn't they, when the whole kind of doctor strikes was going out. Yeah, and, and yeah, they're, they're they're sort of, um, I think was it their foreign secretary or something tweeted immediately was sort of like, come here, you're welcome. Yeah, come yeah. here, we'll pay you this. And well, that's it. They got a very clear yeah. kind of points based immigration that's it. system, and and they're desperate for um, skilled people over there. Yeah, and it's a re- relatively attractive place to go and work, which is why there's so many UK recruiters there actually as well. Yeah, so yeah, a, yeah, it's yeah, big, a big market um, for that. Yeah, it's, and it kind of mirrors our. Uh, market too mm. right in Australia okay so what do you think the next 12 months are going to be like then within the recruitment industry based on kind of access to the information that you guys have got what are you guys predicting a another 2023 you're expecting a 2022 or something in the yeah middle? no I, I think the market was really quite subdued at the back end of last year you know November December particularly um, but we've seen we've had a good start to uh, January mm-hmm. and speaking to you know, we're doing a lot with ATS platforms at the moment in terms of integrations and partnerships. And it's just speaking to some of the um, people that run the ATSs, they're seeing job flow, job activity in Jan going into Feb. So I'm, I'm quite positive. I think the back end of last year was probably a lot of, like I say, a lot of companies sat on their hands waiting to see what, what might happen, just holding off, mm. keeping their powder dry. Um, but going starting this new year, it looks good. And going into you know the new tax year come April, I don't anticipate that changing. I don't think it's going to be like a an amazing year. No, it's not. But I think not full of personal bests. And, no, not yeah. a PB. And and companies therefore recruiters going to have to be sensible about how um, maybe they grow out out of yeah, the dip last year, um, which might be. Um, a natural reaction anyway mm. to be quite tentative but yeah I'm relatively optimistic that we'll have a better year than last year mm, okay. uh, and better than flat as well it feels like um, again some of the economic drivers in terms of interest rates coming down capital getting a bit cheaper in the election we know politician wants to go into an election year um, with the economy that's no no there's, there's a lot going on at the minute as well though isn't there and kind of the yeah, that kind of political sphere. sphere. That that's my concern. Well, that actually, that, that's a good point though, because it. I mean, I can't see the Conservatives winning the general election. So you got to ask what. Well, they're all about shooting Rishi Sunak out now, aren't they? There are no no confidence votes coming in and stuff. Which again is a which tactic. Again is... That's going to be a kind of we need to put somebody that everybody's going to go. I'll vote for him. You know. What yeah. I mean? So I it's mean, almost like a last hurrah that they're trying. The last ditch attempt. Yeah. I mean, I can't. I can't see it. And you got to kind of consider what does an economy and a a jobs market look under Labour and how might that impact recruiters you know, next year rather yeah. than this? And the answer to that is I haven't, I haven't given that enough thought to, um, to really to know. But yeah, I don't think this year will be worse than last year. No, 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 that's fair. So what, what have you guys got going on at the minute then moving kind of into this year, next year? Because kind of, you, you're now a, in a strategy role, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm doing all the things now that I didn't so have to tell you. What can you tell us about then? Like yeah, well, it's quite exciting. I mean, I'm, I'm um, like, I probably wouldn't have done this, you know, a year ago because mm. I was so operational and hands on. Um, 
No, we brought Ash in back in the last year, um, who's, who's brilliant um, as CEO, and he's driving the business and, and operations, etc., which gives me a lot more time to, like I said, I've been talking to the ATSs about partnerships, mm-hmm. integrations, so that to make it easier for employers to post their jobs onto hiring hub and find recruiters and easier for those recruiters to send candidates back. Yeah. Um, the natural progression after that is to look at the recruiter CRM tools as well. Mm-hmm. We've, we're doing a lot more events and uh, content marketing this year. We've got another couple of things up our sleeve that I can't talk about that are really exciting. Um, so primarily that's that's where I'm sat now is looking at how might rather than going out and finding the next company employer that might post you know 10 jobs a month I'm out to find the partnerships yeah. uh, that can deliver hundreds of jobs each month mm, okay interesting there you go alright well I think a, a, an honest kind of um, overview of the market has been like you know fairly delivered in, in that you don't see it being maybe as bad as last year, but certainly on a, on a level. What advice would you give to kind of boutique recruiters that did have a, a tough time last year? I think, yeah, just, it's, it's hard, isn't it? Because when you are, the benefits of being boutique, typically you're a bit smaller and therefore you can be agile and, and mm. move with the market and react very quickly, whereas those bigger firms just are like tankers, you know, they can't move as fast. So I would um, just kind of err on the side of caution. I think if it was me and I was running an independent recruitment agency with five or six people or 10 or even 20 people, I'd probably try and fill the bank with a bit of cash mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. keep that there just as a safety net, just in case things... It, it feels like, um, yeah, I don't think Q4 was particularly great for anyone last year. No. Um, and... While I am optimistic about the first half of this year and even more so about the second half, um, yeah, I'd be um, keeping some powder dry in the in the banking cash just to react and make sure I can get through a few months of payroll if if the market turned again. Because it was quite... It didn't... Yeah. I don't know, last time it felt... So just the tap turned off. Yeah, it, it was quite abrupt. And actually it takes months not even weeks to realize that because you're mm-hmm. riding this wave after 2022 of just job flow job yeah. activity and then it takes a couple of months to realize that those um, yeah. op- opportunities are just not coming well, we through had, anymore we had, a, we had a few podcasts here, kind of over the summer where we were sort of um talking to recruitment trainers and stuff and the conversation was very much around people have got too used to delivery yeah. and not enough Time is being spent on business development and relationship building. Yeah. And then as the year sort of progressed, we had a few other recruitment trainers come on. And then the conversation sort of turned into the general worry that recruitment business owners have got is that our guys have forgotten how to build those relationships. Like yeah. they literally just want to go, okay, this is what you need, scan the item and put it in the bag, right? And and then kind of were like, I just don't understand. I'm not getting the workflow come through anymore. You know, well, I could that... spec a candidate out and get three interviews, and now I'm not getting any. And yeah. then it's like, aha, yeah, that's a problem it. Here. But I think you you needed fewer clients to get a, a certain level of roles, and also yeah. there was that because the market was so buoyant, recruiters would were having to hire more consultants, yeah, potentially junior ones, yeah, sit them on a 180 desk rather than doing be yeah, full yeah. 360 because yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
because the job flow was there and equally they might have committed to more office space or whatever to mm. house those people because of the market was so good and then that's the, that's the thing about it not being an abrupt cliff yeah. edge it was just this long pain because even the summer we were sat there thinking well you know yeah. whenever he gets back from holiday in september we'll have a good good end to this, the year and it, it just doesn't come there, there is a thing within the recruitment industry of we like we lie to ourselves a lot yeah like we'll look at every <laughs> other excuse and the, under the sun right you're naturally Pops, optimistic Pops. i think yeah, it's, yeah, a, yeah, it's yeah. a it's a very entrepreneurial industry yeah um, uh, yeah true and entrepreneurs tend to be quite optimistic and positive people um rather than pessimistic so they yeah. also hope it will happen yeah yeah and it and it didn't yeah. and, and and yeah it was really funny because you're absolutely right there was it was oh it's summer yeah. oh you know it's it's this is going on oh Liz trusts fuck the economy. It'll be fine when, like you know, and then it was just thing after thing after thing, and then eventually it was like, okay, we're struggling, yeah. and now we need to change what we're doing. You know, um, what trends have you guys seen then on 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 your platform? Where where are the majority of the vacancies in terms of what industry and sector? Because if I'm a if I'm an agile one person two person business, it's very easy for me to pivot sectors right now. Uh, and if I'm in an industry yeah. where things are struggling, tech as an example. You know, where yeah, should yeah, I be I looking for some wins? I don't know if I'd, if I'd rush, because I, again, I think there's, I think it might level out this year because yeah. some of the sectors where the, there's a high volume of jobs have not necessarily, those sectors are broken. You know, if I look at social care and healthcare in, in this country, no, well, there's yeah, a lot of jobs because there's, yeah. Yeah, there's not enough people. Yeah. And when you speak to recruitment agents in that sector, you know, they'd love to, it's not that, you know, they're not, there's not great recruiters there and there's, obviously the opportunity and the deal flows there they can't find people um and the same in hospitality and other areas where because actually i was on the train station you know today coming to coventry and was it cv yeah cv library big poster um the station saying you know view or choose from 200,000 active jobs or something on the platform and that's it I, i you know I haven't done any research on this, but I bet 150,000 of those jobs are fairly <laughs> entry-level, low-level, yeah. and in those kind of yeah, you know, yeah, sectors yeah. in hospitality. But I think there are, you know, some of the bigger... I think a lot of all the head office functions, you know, so sales, marketing, finance, legal, operational roles, have been relatively resilient. I think tech's taken one of the biggest hits. Yeah. Um, partly because of that massive increase in hiring in 2022 and possibly also because the salaries weren't a bit crazy during that year too. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's been some corrections then. But if, you know, if I'm a boutique recruiter, am I am I moving into a new sector? Probably not. I think I'd still be in the... Sort of double way, down where you are. Double down, yeah. you know, use the time to... As long as you've got your cost base right and you're not hemorrhaging money, then <laughs> use the time to get better... You know, systems in place, operations, do a bit more marketing content, build a new website, do the things that you've been putting off doing in 2022 because you were just too busy. Mm-hmm. Um, and develop that reputation so that when it comes back, um, you're ready for it rather than go after some of the new sectors or look internationally, yeah, because there are opportunities, I think, in. Um, yeah, in that, that seems to be a, a growing trend. There seems to be this big appetite to kind of want to diversify and, and, and sort of look at roles. Um, America seems to be the one that everyone jumps to within the professional services world. Yes. They'll kind of go, yeah. oh, no, yeah, you know. Um, but you're saying, yeah, European markets are just as buoyant at the minute. And the fact that retained is is, is kind of on the table Yeah. Um, for at least half of those yeah, you got that should make things a lot easier. Yeah. And obviously, you've got, you got currency and everything in there. But the, 
again, the Europeans, they tend to pay, they tend to value recruiters as a professional service mm. as opposed to, um, you know, in the UK, I think we're often viewed as a necessary evil as a we're certainly not put yeah. on a pedestal next to accountants no. and lawyers. No, no, no. no, no. Um, whereas actually, yeah, in, in some places, you know, it's viewed a, um, a legitimate pro- professional service and valued as such and therefore uh, the, the fees are there. Yeah. Um, there's definitely, a, I think, a shift or willingness from European employers to work with SMEs, mm-hmm. not just the big, the big four or five, uh, which is which is positive. It's just finding those those routes in, and I suppose the difficulty always traditionally has been: can you, you can't do it remote. You know, you probably need to go there, set up a base, um, an office, a couple of people, someone that know a local that knows the, the area and has the relationships. Whereas what we're trying to do with Hone Hub is, is remove that and give you, you UK can be doing that recruiters. thing for them, aren't you? You're doing yeah, it, look, we we'll do the business development for you, you know. And it you... might not be at, at scale in terms of um, enough to, but it, it could give recruiters confidence to go, okay, actually, there is a market there. Yeah, and if the, I had a presence, it's, it's maybe. like any, it's, a lot, it's like starting up any new desk, right? You, you, you need a vacancy to start with. Yeah. You get that one vacancy, you're going to find at least three suitable candidates. Now, only one of those is going to get that job, which leaves you two very good candidates that you could and should really be taking out to the competitors of that one client you picked yeah. up the job with and saying, hey, client A was interested in these two people. Um, have you got anything suitable for them? And then kind of mapping out your market accordingly, right? And again, these three people have also worked in companies in this likely to be in the same location or vicinity as that business, likely to be in the same industry or sector as the business that you're recruiting for. So there's a BD list right there. So yeah, we say this to guys all the time, like it's so incredibly easy to start building out your market base by just using a client and three CVs. Yeah. You know, you can map out an entire market yeah. you know, in the space of an afternoon, really. That's it. Um, and it's kind of going back to basics, but then that comes back to that point of um, a lot of recruiters almost forgot how to do the basics because we became so entrenched in just delivery of candidates. Oh, you want a project manager, here's a project manager. You want a health and safety manager, here's a health and safety manager. Um, That they kind of forgot to do the basics. There were no reference calls being made. There were no business development calls being made. There were no kind of mapping out your market. It was just scan the item and put it in the back. Yeah. And I think it's that kind of, I think this, for me, I think this year is going to be the year that the good recruiters remember how to be good again. And the ones who will struggle will... I think eventually leave the industry because I don't think we're headed into a uh, any easier times. I think these guys are going to have to work a ton harder. Smarter, yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. But all, yeah, yeah, smarter and harder to to even come anywhere near. I mean, we say all the time, right? The, the days of 150k bidder are gone. You know, you used to hire somebody at 35k senior consultant, bring yeah. them in, and if they build you 150 grand, you would high five and oh, yeah. that's great. That's gone. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they don't exist anymore. And if they're doing 150K for you, the likelihood is they can do 100 grand for themselves. Yeah. And they are. Because it's so incredibly easy now to set up your own recruitment business. Yeah. And then with platforms like and yours. The, and all the tools right? are there. This is it. The exactly. tools that exist you've now. You've got incubators, you've got invoice finance companies, you've got yeah. sites like mine where it's like, oh, you want to set up your own business? Here, here's everything that yeah. you possibly need to set up that business. Yeah. And then here's some deals to get some discounts with it. And then you've got, oh, here's a bunch of platforms you can sign up to. Yeah. So off they go and they're like, well, I've signed up to Hiring Hub. I've got my CRM. I've got my back office solution. My jobs are being fed to me. I've just got to do the basics 
with the candidates that I'm working with to service these jobs, but then I can build out my market over here yeah. and all that from my bedroom. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's, it's, it's such and a that's the interesting phenomenon. If you look at the latest K, not KPMG, uh, REC trend survey, there's something like 30,000 recruitment agencies in the UK yeah. now, yeah. Um, which is uh, it's an incredible number. Yeah. Um, and, and of those, if you look at the, the DNA of that kind of footprint, it's there's only a very small core no, that have over... 92% are under 10 headcount. Yeah, that's it. Um, so it is, it's, you know, it's husband and wife teams. It's, yeah. it's three mates in a, not necessarily a garage, but, um, you know, in a WeWork. That's it. That can, um, and, they, and they typically, yeah, they've done five or six years at um, a decent business and they've learned yeah. the ropes. They've developed some relationships with key clients and they've gone off and they've set up their own. And actually there's, you know, I met with one of our recruiters the other, oh, just before Christmas, and, and she said, um, something that sat with me that I think she's probably six six people mm-hmm. um, do engineering and sales recruitment and and she said I, I don't want to grow I'm really happy yeah. you know five six people you know she has um, a great a great business um, a great lifestyle there's no desire to go beyond that and have all the headache and stress of being fifteen or twenty people or fifty people. Um, and that's and that's one of the beauties of recruitment. No, I think the difficulties are, are, are they they grow in line with yeah. the headcount. You know what I mean? It doesn't oh. get easier. No, it definitely doesn't. It just it gets different, but not not any easier. And actually, there's a lot to be said for that. And there's a lot to be said that recruitment is an industry mm-hmm. um, that lends itself to that, which is you know you can see in those numbers, yeah, thirty thousand, and that's fantastic. Um, we should we should celebrate that perhaps I think more than we do. Um, yeah, we see that as a weirdly negative figure. I always think, oh, it's saturated, oh, it's saturated. It's like, no, 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 because what, nice. what I find beautiful about our industry in the UK is that you, you've got people that will go off and set up a recruitment industry, agency that specialise in robotic arms. Yeah. That's it. That's, that's it. all that's I, I do. do. You know, and that is my niche. And they'll double, triple down on that. Whereas that doesn't tend to happen in kind of like other markets. No, um, you you know they tend to kind of be involved in a bit of everything, or they'll pick pick a aerospace as a, as a sector, and they'll do everything within aerospace. You know, but in the UK, it's very much a you know no, 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 I do optometry recruitment. Yeah, and, and that's, that's, that's what, what I, I do. do. That's all I want to do. I want to place optometry and, and as a market for it. Yeah, and fantastic. they'll make a living. Yeah, they'll make an absolute like you know they'll make a very comfortable living doing that. Yeah, and so yeah, okay, so. Um, have you guys then seen an optic in people taking on the platform who are like kind of solo recruiters or, or like kind of newly set up businesses? Or do you tend to find that they come to you once they're a bit more established? And I'm not sure. Is it the fact that they're running out of clients or they're struggling with business development and that's why they're kind of like, right, now it's time to try something different? I think certainly perhaps it's changed even in the last um, 12 months. We don't tend to get the very small micro, you know, early stage startup mm. because there's a cost associated to hiring hub and that that cost is a hurdle for some uh, new startups so we tend to get the recruiters that um, are re- re- small but established mm-hmm. um, and they're either so do you ever look into why though why have they decided that now is the time often because it won't just be that your sales people are that good that they're yeah. like Oh, no, it's often this, it's, it sounds amazing. It's often that it's just after those that extra trickle of um, yeah. of new vacancies every 
every month they can uh, work, particularly if they've got a couple of, you know, junior recruiters sat there that can, or resources that, that need to be doing something, something and the market yeah. was tougher. So, um, so yeah, that's the, that's the core group. And again, they could specialise, they've got to specialise in an industry where we have the job flow, the consistent job flow to support them, um, which is fairly typical, you know, our, our probably biggest sector clusters are those IT and tech, sales, marketing, engineering, construction, manufacturing, then professional, professional services where I'd lump all those kind of head office functions together. Um, although outside of that, we've got pockets, you know, we've got big utilities businesses using it and, you know, for energy and other other things like that. So we tend to, we're always, we just have to match supply yeah. and demand. You kind of look at, yeah, okay, we've got, an, we've seen an increase in workflow in this sector and not many agencies there. Let's be BD some agencies and get them on board exactly. so that we can service these. Yeah, because you're almost walking the tightrope, aren't you? Because you don't want an influx of vacancies that you can't service because that pisses the client off. Yeah. And equally, you don't want an influx of agencies and not enough vacancies because that then pisses the agencies off, especially if they're paying to be on the platform yeah. to, to t- take vacancies from. So. Yeah, and it's difficult. We have to grow the number of roles on the platform before we can increase the, yeah. the number of members we have. So we're really cautious. You know, if you go into our office, there's big, big uh, screens on the wall with those liquidity metrics. It's broken down by sector so that we know how many opportunities we're bringing our recruiters every every day, week, month, um, right. and we yeah, can balance yeah. that. Sounds good, sounds good. Right, so if anyone wants to jump onto the platform, um, get in touch with kind of your guys and find out more about Hiram Hub, um, here's your chance to plug it. Like, <laughs> camera's there, this is, this is the bit your marketing team would probably ask for. Yeah. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what I'd say, I mean, uh, <laughs> Difficult, isn't it? I'm not a natural salesperson. <laughs> it's not my problem anymore. I just go back to the the reasons we set it up. You know, yeah. um, it was around championing boutique recruiters, giving them a platform to collect reviews and data to show how show that they are good um, and trusted and professional. And um, yeah, for us, if we can open their world up to, you know, we have. Name clients, I probably can because the the you know we're clients like Hankel in Germany, uh, SSE up in in Scotland that you know we're giving um, you know people with two three people and, and yeah. leatherhead or somewhere opportunities to work with those clients and, and fill Which their roles. wouldn't have, yeah. No, not off the PSL, and we're doing a lot more on our uh, tools to help some of those clients bring their PSL on as well, manage it and lean on the marketplace, and they need to go outside of it too. Mm. So. Uh, yeah, that was the goal. You know, bring recruiters onto a platform and organise them to help employers find and work the best ones in the right moment. Um, and it's a message I think that that speaks to the employers as well. Because actually, when you do, I think the hardest thing for recruiters is often to get a foot in the door because mm-hmm. there are so many recruitment agencies and therefore recruitment consultants all calling quite a small pool of TA people and HR people. Um, it's just noise. So to break through and get um, beyond a PSL is difficult even spec trying to spec a candidate in these yeah. days is, is getting harder and harder and in some countries like in germany that techniques doesn't really work it's a lot very relationship led um so now we want to break that down and almost steal jobs from the large recruiters like the hayes and the michael page of this world and redistribute those roles to an army of small boutique specialists mm. that's always been our mission yeah cool well really appreciate you uh, taking the time to come on today cool. uh, no worries really cool and 
Do I need to do like a call to action, Colin? I, <laughs> I have a, I have a, a new uh, behind the scenes guy who directs me on what to do now. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it was, I think it was pretty good what you you said in terms of like the sort of mission statement you want to go there. But if you just want to do like a uh, a quick summary up to camera, just say visit here and we can put the. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. HiringHub.co.uk, isn't it? No. HiringHub.com. Doesn't matter if you've got the hyphen, it works both ways. Okay. HiringHub.com. Right. So if you want to hear more about HiringHub, you want to look at signing up or or get a um, benefit from a rec perk, I'm sure we can agree one off camera. Uh, Head to HiringHub.com and uh, we'll see you guys next time. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Cheers for that. That was good. That's good. Yeah, no, easy. Oh, God. So if I got a coffee, scripted shit, I think that'd be too. No, I can't.